Are you telling me right now? And I'll, I'll throw it up there. I'll put a poll up on Instagram to vote on who looks older. But I don't think you're going to be happy with the results. I think that you look significantly older than me. I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. And I'm Mike Callahan, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and a law enforcement officer. Coming up on the show today, we're feeling inspired by the five overtime game between the Lightning and the Blue Jackets in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we're looking at our longest marathon training sessions. We're also going to talk about our favorite training sessions and take aim at breaking a world record. In other words, I'm trying to kill Mike with cardio. Welcome to that Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Obviously, Mike Callahan's hockey knowledge is not really up to it's on up it's not where i think it should be but i'm assuming yeah. you did not watch the five overtime marathon game between uh tampa and columbus so five overtimes means they played eight periods which is is so one period in hockey is 20 minutes correct correct and, and when then, you get to the playoffs it becomes you know quote unquote golden goal in the overtime, the first team to score wins. Okay. And they play five on five, just like the regulation time. And they do 20 minute periods, just like regulation. So they essentially played two and two thirds hockey games last night. The game obviously set record for like, you know, sixth longest game. But also, Seth Jones, who's one of the players for Columbus that you don't know of, that yeah. you can't name. Yeah. He set the record for most minutes played in a hockey game by a single player. And he play, he played sixty five minutes of hockey in that game. What position does he play? He's a defenseman. So he played more minutes than there are in a regular three period hockey game by himself. Do the defensemen switch as often as the forwards switch? No, the defensemen typically play more minutes than forwards do. Seth Jones averages about twenty five minutes a game, so he played two and a half times as much hockey in one game than he's used to doing. He's going to be sore. So that really got me thinking into what would that mean in jujitsu terms if you had to compete as much in one session as they did in that game? So Hickson, was it, that used to have those matches? or The Hoist Gracie-Sakuraba fight was like 90 minutes yeah. in pride, right? Yeah. Um, modern jujitsu, I remember... Um... Lloyd Irvin, a couple year, not a couple years ago, probably about seven years ago now, did that brown belt kumite, um, which was no time limit, sub only, which was you know some of those. It was when Gary Tona was a Gary Tona was a brown belt. He was in there. Keenan, um, AJ Agazarm, uh, Sean Roberts, um, who else? Uh, AJ Souza. Luke Costello, like, so they were killers, and they did gi and no gi, like, I think an eight-man bracket, um, and they had some long matches in there, like 50, 60 minutes, um, but yeah. I guess the most notable one was Keenan and and Gordon went, I think, close to an hour at, uh, yeah. recently. That was a couple years ago, right? Didn't they, like... Yeah, not re... Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say recently. It was before... It was It was in 2017 before uh gordon won the adcc that year who won that match i remember watching that match because i remember it was like they streamed it on facebook or yeah. something yeah they right? they were they were streaming it and then the stream got fucked up and then they found another way to stream it gordon won by heel hook 
Um, that's right. That's yeah. right. And then Gordon won the the rematch in the finals at, of the eighty eight kilo division at Abu Dhabi. Uh, he won that by guillotine. So, well, I was looking at like sort of extrapolating into like ADCC or like IBJJF World Championships, like just the longest possible ways that things could go, right? So in ADCC, you need four wins to win the title. Mm -hmm. So if you do the same ratio of how long the five overtimes was compared to a regular game and you use four wins in ADCC, you'd have to do 10.64 matches so we can just round that up to 11. So you'd have to win 11 matches to win an ADCC title. ADCC, they do 10-minute matches and a 5-minute overtime in the qualifying rounds. And they do 20-minute matches with a 10-minute overtime in the finals. So if you went to overtime for every single match, that would be 180 minutes or 3 hours of competing at ADCC to win a title. Yeah. So just looking purely at like you know, the ratio and, and the math, that's a lot of fucking rolling in one tournament. Yeah, right. It is. But those guys didn't play eight periods straight, like the most minutes that were played. So eight periods is what? 160 minutes. And the, the most that somebody played in there was 65 minutes, which is still a shit ton of ice time. But, but again, but, but it's, that's typical for that sport. So it's typical for that sport to play not every single minute of the game, and it's typical in jiu-jitsu that you do roll every minute of the match. Right. So you're still extrapolating out. Like Either way, it's a long fucking time. Yeah, I agree. Do you remember any particular training sessions yourself that went really, really long? I've had some marathons with, with Brian White. Brian White, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Brian White yeah, too, man. This I've, is a good episode for Brian White. I've had some marathons with Brian White. Uh, when we used to do the morning classes at Revolution, like I remember you and I going thirty, forty-five minutes sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, th- those are those are the ones that stick out the most in in my mind. Yeah, I've had plenty of classes where the cla- where we got done, we got done training, and I would pull Brian White and say, yo, do you want to go just sub only? And they'd go 20, 30, 40 minutes. And you get to the point where it's like, if this role kills me, I'm okay with it because yeah. I'm just you're nonstop going as hard as I can. Those are always like, obviously you're not going to get roles like that inside of like a, like a structured class. So those are always the roles. Like when, when him and I would, would meet up at work and train, um, like sometimes we set a timer, sometimes we don't, um, sometimes we'll just start flow rolling and we don't stop. We'll just, you know, kind of transition like seamlessly into a regular role and, and we'll go from there. Um, you know, and- I do think there is a real benefit to starting a role with no clock on and just letting it go and not yeah. having, sometimes it's nice not to be able to look up the, at the clock and say, all right, another minute left. I just have to survive. Like sometimes it's, it's that good feeling of I'm going to go as hard as I can for as long as I can to try to get the most out of this role. Yeah, I see that too. Um, I see the benefits of that. I do think that working with a clock, um, I, I like that a little bit better. Um, just because, you know, you have a, 
you know, set, you can kind of train yourself to push for a set time, which is, you know, you don't know, like when you're rolling no, no time limit, you know, I know people swear by no time limit, but just for the purposes of training, I think in order to, you know, work your gas, work up to like your full potential in terms of your gas tank, um, you know, working with a clock and starting low and, and moving up is, is the way to go. Yeah. I think it's like anything, like, I don't want to only train sub only no, no yeah. time limit and I don't want to only do five minute goes and a one minute rest in between. I want to have varied training just like everything. You don't go to the gym and only bench press right? or only squat. No one goes and squats. When you're getting the shit kicked out of you, um, you know, sometimes a clock is your, your ally. Well, there's something to be said too about the longer the match goes or the longer the round goes and the more tired you get, the more reliant you become on really good technique. You can't explode as well. You can't muscle out of things. I think there's a level of technique that you don't really get to work on until you're 35 minutes deep and exhausted crazy. and still pushing yourself. There's also a mental element of just forcing yourself to keep going. And it's easy to, it's really easy to stop a match by tap real quick and just be done i think you have to push yourself sometimes yes yeah. yeah i mean there's there's definitely benefits of it it just gets crazy i always like there's days where like we'll him and i will brian and i will train at work and it just you know like the one day i set the clock for 20 minutes and then we just you know you just keep going and like i said some days we won't even set a clock and the next thing you know it's 30 40 minutes and it's just a, a battle of wills at that point. It's like, I'm not fucking, like, you can take my arm. I'm not. So. Yeah, yeah eventually you cross over a threshold where it's like, I've rolled this long. I'm not getting tapped by something silly here. Like, I've, I've gone this long. I'm committed to, I'm giving it my all for as long as I can go. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not tapping to get out of here. Right. Yeah. But again, I'm, I might be a little different in my approach. Speaking of getting tapped by something silly. Do you remember the time that you were most mad at me in the whole world? Do you know what story I'm going to tell? Yeah, is it the is it the triangle like the with, Callahan triangle? Yeah, with the, it's the, the triangle with the Bravo grip. Like it was, you know, your brain processes things really quickly, and I tapped you, and you stood up, and part of me was like, "Oh, that was cool," and then you started to walk away. So for like one second, I was like, "Okay, he's just collecting himself." And then I think you threatened to kill my whole family. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think ah. he's joking. Mm. And then I was like, oh, he's really mad. And then I was like, oh, he's coming back and he might actually kill me for the rest of this. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, I wouldn't kill your family. I, I like your family. Notice he didn't say he wouldn't kill me. Just pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the, the thing that annoys me the most when training with people is when they do stupid shit. Not that you're doing stupid shit. Like that's. But when people do stupid shit that really isn't a jujitsu move, and and typically you'll get people who are new to the game that'll do this, and they'll do stupid shit, and it's reckless, and it has a high propensity to injure you. Like I can't deal with that. Like it just like they're just I don't know what's going through their mind. But occasionally you'll run into you know higher level guys that'll do that shit and it's like what's going through your mind like what are you trying to achieve is 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 winning a role in a in a practice room that important to you i have no time for that and because like i i you know if like i compete but like i have a day job like i understand and as do you like 
Like I have a life outside of jujitsu. So, you know, if I'm not respectful to people, how can I expect people to be respectful to me? That's not saying I don't train hard, but if I'm giving you the respect of not trying to fucking hurt you, yeah, I'm just asking the same. I was looking, I was thinking, you know, marathon, hockey game, marathon, jujitsu. I wonder if there's a world record for longest, like continuous role or longest training session. Like it has to be days, right? It's not as much as you would think. And I really think that we could break this record. All right. It was the only thing I could find on the Google machine was from 2019. Okay. All right. So if something's happened since then, let us know in the comments or send me a message. But a guy named Damien Todd from Australia, he rolled for 24 straight hours in 2019. And it was like to raise money for like a suicide prevention charity. I think he was in the Marines in Australia. If he wasn't, I'm sorry, you can correct me. He rolled 24 hours. He had like almost 200 different partners who came in like for five minutes at a time. I, I think 24 hours, I, th- I think that's doable. I just, like, he didn't eat or drink for 24 hours, and he was just training? Like, that seems like... Now, you would think that there would be more information provided about this, but there, I could not find anything. If I can take water breaks, if I can take water breaks, and I can... If I can take water breaks and I can eat something, I'm on board with going after this thing. I, so I saw... He did a post on Reddit in the lead up to him trying this 24 hour record. And one of the comments he had said was he was talking to the Guinness world record people and he wanted like a four minute break, like every couple hours or an hour, every hour, like there was some small break built in. I don't know if that's how it played out because there was more information about the lead up to it than there was after he'd actually done it. And the only thing that was out there about him completing it was like a local news story about this guy had done this big 24 hour thing so i think if we can get like five minutes every three hours where you get a drink yep eat a banana take a pee i i think 24 hours we could do that for a charity i think we can make that happen i just don't know if we're going to be able like we would have to get 50 people yes we, we would have to get they'd have to work people. in shifts like they couldn't all stay there for 24 hours you'd have to have like shift work a group of Three groups of 20, maybe, who are there for six to eight hours at a time and rotate in and out. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm on so, board. All right, I see it playing out like this. We have a mat, and you and I will be, like, side by side on the mat. Mm-hmm. And we'll just have a fresh guy come in, and we'll do, like, five-minute goes with a one-minute rest or whatever the Guinness people allow us. And I think we try to go for, like, 25 hours. Let's break it by, like, an hour. Okay. I'm 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 good with that. Once once all this uh, you know, COVID stuff's done, obviously we can't break this tomorrow, but I I think we can we can do it. If anybody listening knows Damien Todd, get him to get in contact with us cuz I want to talk to him about how we did it. He was also 48 years old when he did this in 2019. So, he's only a few years younger than you, so if he can do it, you can do it. Bro, we're literally the same age. We're we're literally the same age, and you looked you look no bullshit significantly older than I do, <laughs> significantly older than I do. If we stood next to each other, they would be like, "Oh, that's nice because you do the podcast with your older cousin." Are you telling me right now? And I'll I'll throw it up there. 
I'll put a poll up on Instagram to vote on who looks older, but I don't think you're going to be happy with the results. I think that you look significantly older than me. Well, there's only one way to settle this. All right, so let's talk more practical training sessions. Yeah. Not marathons, not sub only, no time limit. Yeah. Obviously, we know no one likes the warm ups. So if you're building your dream session, do you even include the warm ups? No. And you want to know something? I, I just think that. I don't like static stretching. I like static stretching after a workout, right? Stretching where you hold a position for right. I don't like that to seconds. start. And it, there's there's been studies that have been put out recently that say that actually puts you at higher risk to pull something. You know what? I'm actually glad that you said that because there was a 2011 study in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, which you know, one of my personal favorites. Yeah, obviously, it's on the bestsellers list. And they concluded in designing effective warm-up routines for athletes requiring strength, speed, or power, coaches and strength and conditioning professionals should prescribe a general aerobic warm-up followed by dynamic stretching that increases muscle temperature and blood flow while providing the opportunity for sport-specific movement rehearsal. Static stretching immediately before activity should be avoided. Yeah, because you're cold and you're really not doing anything and you're just putting stress on everything. I, I like dynamic warm-ups. I, I don't think that, like, you know, and I don't know if I'm in the, the minority on this, but, like, I don't like the elbow escapes. And I just, I don't, you know. You, there's I like a that time because to, it's sports-specific. I like that because it's sports-specific. But there's a time where you can drill that. So, um, like, a dynamic warm-up on your own and then, and then get into it. Here's, here's the other thing. I was um, – this is like the third time that I've been talking about this documentary, but who, whoever hasn't seen this Daisy Fresh documentary on Flow Grappling should go watch it. Um, but prior to them releasing that documentary, they put out like a short, like six, seven minute video on um, on YouTube. And Heath Pedigo, who is the the owner of, of Daisy Fresh, and he's the you know, the, the head coach for Pedigo Submission Fighting, which is the team that fights out of Daisy Fresh Laundry Mat. He said that, like, when he gets a guy who comes in, it's not like he pulls them off the side, off to the side, and like goes over arm bars from the guard. Like, they get thrown into the fire right away. I think there's something to be said about that. And he says that every night when you go in there, it's like balls to the wall competition training, like hardcore, like either sparring or positional um, sparring, and it's just high paced. He's and he said, if you you know if you want to drill, the gym's open all day for you to come in and drill, you know techniques. So that's like so the guys essentially, um, you know, go in there during the day and then they drill, and then their nighttime classes are just they're they're grueling from from what it looks like on these in these videos. So the basic model of most jujitsu classes is class starts you to jog. You do elbow escapes and butterfly guard pulls and other break falls, like sports-specific stuff. Mm -hmm. And then an instructor teaches technique. You drill the technique, maybe a second technique. You drill that technique, and then you roll. You're saying you would rather, instead of having drilling, do like positional sparring where you start, someone starts in the mount, someone starts in the back. Right. Do that and then do regular normal jiu-jitsu sparring. Then you're going. 
And then that's your dream class. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> you know, opening up the gym for technique drilling and, um, you know, whatever, but like, I think making drilling more your own, your own responsibility, like come to the gym at your own time and drill. Yeah. And I mean, like if it was my gym, I would have an, I, you know, the, the place I'm at now is it's staffed all the time with instructors. But who's to, who's teaching new students the techniques to drill? Yeah, beginners classes and stuff. Oh, you're talking more like advanced class. You yeah. don't want to drill. Well, you asked class. me like what my what my dream class is. That's you know fair. I mean? You're right. You're right. So, um, you know, and there are beginners classes and and everything which are are beneficial. But like, that's the problem with like a curriculum, you know, because. If you come in the middle of it, like you're just, you know, I'm, I'm okay. But it's the but, same thing as, it's the same thing as Daisy Fresh where you're getting thrown in. That's, you know, you're that's, getting... Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that's the problem with the, with the curriculum. Like that's just, it is what it is. Like you just come in the middle of it and, and, and you go, um, you know, I, I don't know if like, I, I don't know. I see the pros and cons to both of them. You know, like I see like how you're not letting people roll or you're not letting people spar, but. I, I, I mean, I think that there's, for a beginner class, I think the normal structure I outlined earlier of warm-up, drill, yeah. roll. Mm. I think when you get to an advanced class, I agree that maybe less time spent drilling, and I think positional sparring should be a lead into traditional sparring, so maybe three or four rounds of positional, and then right into normal sparring. But I actually like dynamic warm-up. I feel better training if i've had like 10 or 15 minutes i kind of go the opposite way on warm-ups as most people most people don't like the warm-ups i wish that i had more time to actually warm up myself i would take 15 minutes to do a good dynamic warm-up because i'm like a sports nerd i guess right i, I like i feel more activated i feel less injury prone i feel like i recover more easily when i'm done if i have done a good dynamic warm-up i like drilling i obviously like learning new technique so it's tough to find that marriage of like i want to learn new technique from yeah i i like to me, be but... like if, if i'm competing you know and, and obviously this is different than practice but i like to be sweating when i go onto the mat i hate 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 the first roll when i'm not sweating yeah and it's part of my least favorite thing about doing super fights like fight to win. Yeah, there's no starting point. a role when I'm not sweating. You can warm up like backstage as much as you want. I would re the best. I, honestly, the best way for me to do like a super fight or a tournament would be if I had two or three full on five minute rounds. And then my fourth go was like my competition go. Yeah, I don't I don't do well with like starting not sweating and that's the bitch of it like you're trying to time it because you don't want to get too tired but like those fight to win matches they're seven eight nine minute matches like you can do that standing on your head like one seven eight or nine minute match like that's fine so um yeah like it's the tournaments that that get you like when you're fighting five or six times and you're trying to find that that like middle ground where you can go out there like warmed up but you still want to have that energy you know, in the tank for if you have to fight five or six times. But yeah, I'd much, yeah, ra I'd much rather go on there, step on the mat, you know, dripping wet with sweat than go on ice cold and have to, you know, use 75% of that first match to, to get loose. So yeah, well, when I, I remember I had 
at one point when I was uh, training, I was working at a bank and I would get done work at like the same time class started. So by the time I got to the class, it was like people were rolling already. Like it just was not a good setup. And I got a lot of, I don't want to say injuries, but like muscle strains and pulls because I would get to the academy and I would just dive in. I I didn't have a chance to get a good sweat and start training and start rolling. And ever since then, I really realized the benefit of really getting a good warm up and a good sweat in just for the sake of injury prevention. And, And that's another thing too, about drilling. Like, like my approach to drilling is like if you if I start drilling a technique like the first the first rep that I drill after you know it's taught is like so slow it's like incremental like basic like movement just so slow um and but by the end of it by the time that they're ready to call time and show something else like I'm going f- full speed through it you know so i'm i I used the drilling as like a warm-up to the rolling too you know yeah but we talked about a little bit earlier about like memorable really long training sessions we've had is there any training session you've had that was memorable for other reasons like something that sticks out when you think back over a decade of jiu-jitsu anything that pops out to you i you you want to know something like the one of the best parts about the uh, jujitsu is just like the like the network right so it's like re- regardless of where you go you can always just find a school um and i've just had a lot of positive experiences at like other schools like traveling all over the place and you know always packing my gi and just dropping into schools i i've never really had a negative experience at a school to be honest with you yeah um I always like those training sessions too, because there's an element of it that like, it it almost feels like you're going to a competition, you know, because you don't know anybody in there. You don't know how they roll. You don't know how it's going to be. So you're rolling against people who don't see your game every day. So it's a real test of does my stuff really work or does it not? Yep. Uh, And you know, so that's, you know, that's my thing. I, I always like dropping it at other people's, other people's places. Um, what about you? Well, I remember there's a. I was thinking about this earlier. Obviously, is why I asked you about it. There's a few for me that stand out. One was uh, I was a white belt, and it was like two weeks before my very first amateur MMA fight, and we were basically were doing like, all right, this is the fight, like in the cage. You know, you're basically doing like not fight simulation because it wasn't like pad work. It was you know sparring, but MMA. And I remember, like, I really got out grappled so bad by Rizzo and Reef Snyder and Anthony and all dudes who, A, outrank me, and B, regardless of rank, are just better than I am. Right. And I remember, like, my confidence was, like, really shaken. I'm like, man, I got to fight someone in two weeks, and I just got fucked up. And uh, Anthony said to me, he was like, yeah, you lose here so that you don't lose there. And when I had that like perspective switch a little bit, I realized like this dude is not as good as those guys. And I survived when they did that. So I'm going to be fine in this fight. And I was, and I won, but like that really like was one of my first as a white belt, these guys are not holding back and they're giving me the business. And I like, it stands out to me. I remember it like very vividly. Yeah. Yeah, And I always like kind of 
found some comfort in knowing that those guys were as good as they were. Like you're going to have a, a hell of a time finding somebody that that's faster than Rizzo out there. You know, like Rizzo, the the way that he just changed shit together is, you know, I don't know anymore, but like when he was in, you know, when he was fighting, it was incredible how fast he moved. Um, and yeah. Anthony's the same way. Anthony's, you know, for, you know, a, a big guy, Anthony, you know, moves really well. And, you know, he's strong for his size. Um, uh, Brian White's a technician. And then, you know, I've said it before, Reef Snyder's pro- probably one of the best guys I've ever rolled with. So, like, I always fell back on knowing that, like, if these guys are, if I can hang with these guys, I- I'm all right. So. Yeah, there was a couple training sessions where we would do just pure cage work, standing, grappling against the cage. And those were, they felt like marathons, but it might've just been 20 minutes, you know, go for five, get 30 seconds off, you know, get a, but getting a fresh guy like every two minutes. Yeah. And it was, you either had your back against the cage and you had to grapple your way out or you were pushing someone against the cage and you had to keep them there. And I don't have like a specific one night of that happening because we did that a lot, but that was one of the most grueling parts I think about MMA training. Oh yeah. Like that cage work and just grinding and like that, that shows you who you really are because it's not just jujitsu. You're also standing up. And if you get lazy, someone will punch you in the face. So those were like, I know you have to be a little weird to enjoy wanting to be a fighter, but like those were always Just the most. Embrace the grind. It was. The, it's weird to say, but those were like the most fun, awful, yeah, hard rounds. You know. Yeah, I I agree. I always notice too that the first time I train after I get promoted, I always feel like that is like one like a memorable session because it's the first time you're wearing like a new belt, and even though you're training with the same people that you trained with the day before when you were one belt lower. You feel like you have to prove a little bit that you deserve that yeah. belt. And yeah, there's a little bit of a different intensity now where you know, I remember after I got promoted to brown belt, like guys who went from blue belt to purple belt and I went from purple belt to brown belt, they come at you hard because you know they see that the next belt that you are wearing is like where their yeah, next step trying, is. Yep. Yeah, those are always good training sessions too. And I love the training sessions where I didn't get promoted, but somebody else did. You know what I mean? And it's their first role as a oh, yeah. or their first role as yep. a brown belt. Like those are so fun. Those are so fun. Yeah, I, I enjoy promotions. I do. Yeah. Not just because we get to whip people when they run the gauntlet, but <laughs> I love seeing people get promoted. It's awesome because you know you played a part in their journey. You know what I mean? You were involved in their promotion because you trained with them every day. Yep. So it's cool to see people get better after you know you've had a lot of back and forth with them. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Don't forget that you can catch the live version of every episode on YouTube. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can find it at that underscore jujitsu underscore podcast. And if you want to follow me directly, you can find me at M underscore Callahan 106. If you want to follow me directly, you can find me at Justin Lesko. Don't forget, we're still giving away a free t-shirt if you subscribe to follow us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash that jujitsu podcast. And there's a couple different tiers that have different bonus content and you get technique breakdowns, you get different instructionals. So check it out, patreon.com slash that jujitsu podcast and get yourself a free t-shirt. Say, see you next time. See you next time. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks guys.